Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hey, property magicians. Hello. It is so, so lovely to have you. My name is Vangile Makwakwa. Find me under Vangile Makwakwa on Instagram and Twitter uh, as Wealthy Money on all the social media platforms. And this is episode 60 of the Property Magicians podcast. Yes. And with me is my (laughs) co-host. Oh my gosh, I am all freaked out that we're doing episode 60. No. <laughs> oh my God, as if, as if I wasn't here when all the other 59 <laughs> happened. This is amazing. I am Dr. Miranda, prop doc mom on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I am the co-host of the Property Magicians podcast. Welcome, welcome. We've got an incredible, incredible show for you again. My favorite subject, land. Land. Oh my gosh. So, wow, guys. Today's episode is all about land. And and I think why Mizo and I were attracted to this episode. So, I was in a coaching session with Yanga. And she started talking about this land project that she's got going on. And as her coach, I'm obviously asking a bunch of questions. And I'm like, wait a minute. Stop. Uh, I want to, I think like Mizo and I need to interview you. And of course, after that (laughs) coaching session, I was like, Mizo, I think we have a guest for the podcast. And that's it. You guys are about (laughs) to be blown away because we keep talking about how land is a resource and why we love Yanga is because I don't think we've had anyone come and talk about village land, Land. village real estate. We've had Ekasi properties. We've had town, we've had like, so Ekasi, we've got suburbia, we've got the inner city, but what about the villages, guys? The villages, yeah. You know? But it's beyond even just land. It is just the possibilities that are on the land, the possibilities for the communities, the possibilities of solving the issue of poverty, the possibility of industrializing in the village oh my goodness this is one of those this is one of those episodes that ignites my activism like you can't be actually as you're talking i'm literally writing today's title using for this podcast using village land to solve poverty uh, to solve the problems of poverty that's it wow and it's such a it's a low-hanging fruit that i don't know how our government misses it but there you are. Corruption has them in grips. They can't see it. Let's do this. Yeah, I don't know if it's corruption, awesome. though. I think all of us, how do we miss the beauty yeah. of the village? Of the village. We all leave the village for the city. How do we all miss it? I mean, now so I, I loved what Yanga says because everybody yeah. knows my obsession with the village. I love you the love village. love the village. <laughs> <laughs> Let's so, yeah, it. guys, let's do this. Hi, Anga. So happy to have you as our guest on today's show. Uh, welcome. 
Hi, Vangile. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hi, Yanga. I'm so glad you could come. Yeah, we've been eagerly waiting for your, for your arrival to this podcast. So welcome. Thanks, Mizo. I'm really yeah. thrilled that you could have me. Thank you so much for the invitation. Sure. So, Yanga, what do you do for a living? Who are you? How do you describe yourself? Please share with us before we launch into the show. Okay, so my name is Yanga Stierman. I am from a small farming town in, in the Eastern Cape um, called Madadiela. Um, so I'm a, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, I'm a student of life, I'm a partner in a mining geology and engineering consultancy firm, I'm a non-executive director, and I'm a coach. I assist women, or entrepreneurial women of color to achieve balance, rest, and feel seen so that they can tap into their own magic and limitlessness. Oh, wow. Love that. And I love yeah. that. You can be one thing and the other and all of it. And I just love the word, the, the phrase, feel seen. Underline yes. that phrase. It's a big <laughs> issue, you know, invisibility yeah. is a big thing. Very, very it big is. thing. So, younger. So, thank you for coming again, right? Um, you have an agricultural project that you're working on uh, that you have found for funding for. Please tell us a little bit about that. Very interesting when people talk about land because real estate for us on this podcast is incredibly important. We teach, we hope the podcast teaches people to see every little piece as a real estate investment. So tell us a little about your agricultural project. Okay, so how my agricultural project started is that, um, so I don't personally have a background in farming, but I okay. do come from a farming town, as I've already mentioned. And yeah. I um, come from a village called Wangao within Matadiela. Mm -hmm. um, although my parents were involved in other forms of business, but primarily my father was a farmer and we owned land, we had farms, but also just as Lalini, we have um, land and access to land there. So, um, when my dad passed away, there were a few people who passed away in 2015. There were a number of people who were working for us on one of our farming projects who okay. lost their jobs as a result because um, all the projects oh, wow. seen and everything yeah. was concluded. So from that point onwards, I had really just been wanting to start small farming projects that could assist people um, so it, my idea was for a farming garden okay. uh, where people within the village would, where I would buy seedlings for people, for like the initial uh, project where uh, people would use the seedlings to first have like their first harvest and mm -hmm. then from there be able to repurpose the seeds um, okay. going forward. Um, and the idea was that the people in the village shouldn't have to travel to um, the city to get food, etc. Because A, it's expensive, but also um, by the time they need to pay for it, it's no longer fresh and it's just so much pricier. 
So that yeah. was the idea when the project started. So we mm -hmm. did that, but because of the fact that um, once uh, any plant, once um, with the crops that we're farming, once it re reaches the end of its life cycle, it gives you seeds. Yeah. So then you are able to put away a food bank. Um, you start keeping the seeds and then you just have like a seed bank that you keep for yourself within the village. But then what happens is that the seeds, the first batch of seeds that you would have bought of cabbage, of carrots, of lettuce, of tomatoes, right. um, would be able to create a seed bank at the end. And then um, the seeds would be able to be given to other people, like um, the next door neighbors and the um, other people oh, within the community. I love this. Mm. So um, the idea really was for food security in that way mm -hmm. because that was an mm -hmm. issue in the village. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. another thing for me was that I had previously attended a conference which was on climate change. And um, so they were talking about just the importance of having um, climate smart ways of growing food. And I mean, in the villages, we do this, like we're the best example at doing this, right? Yeah. Because we use trial manure. So the manure that yeah. we use comes from the cows. Um, pure. Yeah. It's pure and it's from there. I mean, um, we use natural pesticides as opposed mm -hmm. to like chemical-based uh, pe uh, pesticides. We basically mm -hmm. use the ash that comes from the wood as pesticides, yeah. right? And we already are in a village and people are using wood to cook. So instead of just disposing of all of that ash, we repurpose it and we use it as pesticides. So the idea was also just to say, um, and then from that point, the food was then organic. So what that meant is that there was a nutritional aspect as well. So it was just yeah. a food security and nutrition um, yeah. security um, yeah. problem that I was looking to address with the project mm -hmm. and then what we wanted to do and what I really had a passion to do was to go to the schools in the village so I started at my own village and I bought seeds again for the schools just so that because um, the project was self-funded so that yeah. we could uh, start a garden within the school garden. and the kids would be able to ha have uh, nutrition in that way so mm -hmm. what happened is that um uh, after like three years of working on the project, um, I started telling friends about it and there was a specific donor that gained interest and was like, I'm interested in this type of work and what no I want way. to do is um, help fund you so that you can expand on the project and people, you can create more jobs for people. So um, the gardens were really just so that people could eat. But obviously, yeah. like so, some of the people had taken the project seriously to a point where at on a week, for example, in the village, they yeah. could sell maybe like 10 um, bunches of spinach to their neighbors yeah. Um, yeah. and then be able to buy candles for themselves and sustain themselves in that way in the village. Oh, um, that is so then, amazing. Um, so, thank you. Um, and then when we got the, um, the, the funder, um, yeah. What we did is that then um, we built... Okay, things. hold up, hold up, Yana. Sorry, like you've rushed. You've given us so much information. So much. <laughs> and I'm just thinking I am like hit with it. So can yeah. we, we're just going to slow you down and pace yeah. it for the listeners. And actually, to be honest, for myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay, so I'm just going to backtrack you, right? Mm. Okay. So 
the first thing, so you've told us about this beautiful uh, project that started um, because you wanted to just have basically teaching people how to have veggie gardens. So then you started getting the food banks. So then how did you start getting the farmers to get to the point where it even became a project that was viable for funding? You know, so how did you get the villagers together to come together for this project? Did you start with one or two houses? Did you start mm. with the people that lost their jobs or did you have a community yeah. meeting? So yeah. many people in South Africa are going to be interested in how we get villagers to do this for food security. So yeah. break it down for us. Did you start with one person? Did you start with the entire village? How did it start? Okay. So um, the, 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 the first project that we started only yeah. was in the village where I am from. And how okay. we came to do that was that um, through traditional council, because there's traditional council and the of village course. elders, who right. liked the work that we were doing. So through them, they were then saying, listen, we've got um, these pieces of land available within the village. And mm -hmm. how can you help us? We can bring the people together. So did you go to the council? council Sorry to yes. interrupt. You went directly to the council? Who did you speak to at the village council? Um, the subheadman. So that there's the headman who looks after um, probably like 20 plus villages. And then there's subheadman who looks after my village together with like 20 other villages around. So the subheadman oh. was the um, man that I spoke to to engage him on utilizing the land that was vacant mm -hmm. and the land that was available. And so when Can that I project... Sorry? Sorry, Lianga. Sorry, let me just ask. Is it is it very... Are the traditional councils accessible in that way, even for female farmers or people who are interested in farming? What, yeah. Is it just unique to your village or is it something that's quite common? Okay, so I, in the way that I've experienced it, um, I only know how to interact with traditional council from my village. And then in terms yeah. of the neighboring village that we then assisted, with the project going forward. Um, I had spoken to my traditional council because they sit on the same council. Like I said, he's a subheadman, only looking after a few other villages. Yeah. So oh, he right. in, then engaged the head headman. The subsequent to, okay. Yes. Okay. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah, because that's very important that to walk the land, it's so sacred, and then they are setting you know, protocols and stuff yes. of yeah. approaching these traditional councils. I think that's, yeah. that's incredible. The very fact that you are so young and you were able to access it. Anyhow, I just, yeah. I, I interrupted. So, how, <laughs> so you landed up in the next, in the following village and the following village. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So no, she went to the traditional council. I'm still very interested in the journey. Sorry guys. Like I'm one of those people that loves, the journey. So can you take us through the journey, Ianga? So through the, you went to the traditional council, you spoke to the subheadman, engaged him in the project, and what does he say? How does he get the villagers involved? Because they are all their own individuals. Mm, mm, mm. So uh, what 
some headmans tried to do in the villages, well, at least in my village, um, at the time when we started, um, they always are looking for projects to keep people in the community engaged or young people. Oh. And um, my approach was that this was a project that I initiated for young unemployed um, people who were at the village and who weren't doing anything with their time. And mm. I felt that um, the land that we had that was available for use was an opportunity for us to farm and then potentially sell the, um, the crops either to people within our village and our neighboring villages. Um, for example, um, my proposition to him was to create a farm day or a farm market day where maybe once a week um, people from other villages would have like set up a marquee and have stalls and people would buy from there as opposed to taking a bus 30 kilometers out into the city or buying oh. from local village shops where oh. the crops come from the city, which means they've incurred the transport costs now, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was the one thing. Or the second thing was that I was happy to go engage my local shop right and my local Sondela, which are like the other shops, um, okay. just to get the buy-in from them that if we produce, for example, a minimum of a hundred potatoes, um, Per three months, they would then purchase from us. So it was really that type of negotiation and saying, if you can bring people together to mobilize so that they can work the land and get them to buy into the project, I will find means, I will make it my personal um, mission to try, go help us find means to make to get the project started so that's how it happened i struggled a lot in terms of finding funding at the beginning so i self-funded okay. that project oh, but right. that project then was a success and was able to bring income people were able to get stipends from that project and of course were able to feed their families just from the produce of that project so um then utilizing that project as a model um, I entered into a competition. Well, not a competition. Mm -hmm. Well, I applied for a social entrepreneurship program, which I said see. that it was looking for people who were leaders, well, women in particular, who are leaders in their communities, who drive okay. projects which bring economical benefit into communities that into otherwise communities. would not have. So I, I entered see. using that specific program because aid was sustainable. So um, the requirement was that the project must be sustainable, it must be replicable, and it must be scalable. So I okay. entered using that project. And through that uh, program, then they were saying, okay, cool, now that you've got into the program as an ambassador, for the year, we'd be willing to look at what other ambitions that you might have to impact other communities. So basically, that's where it started. Okay. Wow. So, and that okay. from from that project, are you selling at your local supermarket? And do you did you succeed in establishing the market day? Um, we haven't established a market day, unfortunately, um, and we are selling um, at the local supermarkets at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I only got accepted into the leadership program last year in October. So okay. it has been a year. And then some of the things that we had planned out with the program in terms of getting the support to expand were interrupted by COVID. 
Um, so we're still trying to find and work around different um, feasible ways in which we can proceed with the project at this point. I see. Ah, okay. So out of interest, how many villages are involved in the project right now? Three do, villages are involved have a, in the villages. project wow. right now. Wow. And, um, that is amazing. That is amazing, right? And villages have plus minus how many households? Um, uh, I think when you're asking such an important question, how many households is that? Or how many, yeah. what is the number of people there? What's the population size? So it's 80 to 100 uh, households per village. Like I said, wow. the will, the headman oversee, the sub headman, sorry, oversees um, about eight to 10 um villages under village. him and okay. then uh, yeah so it, the sub headman liked the project for the one village and then he um facilitated getting it done in other villages as well oh my god yeah. that is wow. just incredible but younger that it is... must have been such a huge huge responsibility to take What's that emotional process? Because not only are you now leading this social program, which is impacting people's lives, but you are leading yeah. a mix of people who are much older than you, one. Yeah. And two, you are leading a mix of males and females. What, what's that emotional process like? Sure. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's quite challenging um, yeah. And I mean, sometimes you feel as though people speak over you because you are younger and yeah. you are female. Also, that's another thing. And mm. also with the respectability politics that come with a traditional space. Yeah. Um, but yeah. also I have found that sometimes you kind of have to find a way to be um, strategic, I guess, in terms of how you navigate the space. And for me, I've mm. been... I just um, ensured that I stay as close as possible to the sub-admin and yeah. then I communicate through him. So mm -hmm. I will make clear where we need to go or what we need and where Absolutely. we are. And then he yeah. will filter that information down. So because of um, the rapport that he holds within society um, yeah. as sub-admin, he's able to yeah. speak and be listened to, etc. So that's how I've been able to navigate. Um, you have to. I like that. Wow, wow that, is, that is super smart, actually. It is. It so, is. wow, so this is so fascinating. I'm also very interested, along the same lines of the emotional stuff, right, is um, how has this project impacted your life and how have you seen it impact the young people for whom you started yeah. this project? You know, Question we're very then. interested in terms of, um, 80, because I'm thinking, wow, um, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's 80 to 100 households. Um, are the young ones getting involved? Are the teens getting involved or is it the parents? And how do you see this impact them when they get involved? Okay. Such a good question, hey? Yeah, it, it really is. So um, I have seen the... So how it's impacted my life is that I think I didn't appreciate the village and the resources that are available to us in the yeah. village. 
Um, and I just look at the land in the village now and I see opportunity um, <laughs> in such a real way because yeah. I don't think I really appreciated yeah. what we have available to us and what we yeah. need in the village to come yeah. and stay in Joburg and how much I feel like sometimes we settle by leaving given just how much opportunity there is there. Oh, there is. Um, my, oh gosh. my gosh. Are you going to start yes. on Ben? Are you getting oh Ben started? <laughs> oh my gosh, you're going you're gonna to get me started on this whole thing. Like I, yo, yeah, no. This is exactly what I'm always preaching, Yanga. You have no clue. This is my entire thing. Because <laughs> I see people leave the village and most mm. people in the village have beautiful homes. You know, yeah. big, spacious homes. Yeah. Someone will leave the village for Johannesburg to go stay in a one room because mm. of opportunity. Mm. They're mm. seeking opportunities. Mm. Now you don't have the yard that you have in the village. You don't mm. have the breathing space. You don't mm. get to roam around. Mm. You know, all these things. These things are important. Quality mm. of life never ever trump the amount of money that you have right like we want money for quality of life but yeah. we are constantly substituting quality of life to get mm. money to get money and it's backwards guys it's and completely like backwards yeah and this is mm. the reason why i do uh, property coaching younger because mm -hmm. my god you are speaking right into it because opportunity lies right under your feet and mm. you beyond and you get mm. onto the translast bus or you drive your car all the way and leave opportunity mm. behind you. Mm. Yanga, you've been contracted to produce 800 tons of tomato by a well-known brand. How did that even happen? How, how, how did that happen and how, 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 how are you feeling about that? Okay, that's, that's actually quite an exciting project to speak about, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, so we weren't contracted directly to produce oh, the item. So okay. um, a business associate was mm. contracted to produce 800 tons. So he heard of me through the Vital Voices program and he knew about the work that I was doing with the villages and the space right. that I was in. So right. what he then did was that he reached out to me and said, listen, I have this contract. I want to work with villages. I want to work with black farmers um, oh, wow. and help enable us, basically, because they already are in the tomato uh, farming and agro-processing, tomato agro-processing space. Nice. Um, but then he was like, I'm specifically looking to partner with some black rural farmers. So if right. they, if you can help us in terms of putting together the villages with some of the people that you work with, then yeah. we would um, want to work with you in that way. So I partnered with them on Look their vision to bring, some, um, to bring some rural farmers onto his project. So basically Absolutely. to help them increase their capacity for the, for the 800 tons. That is such an incredible thing because this is what you find with governments that are serious about their farmers, right? They form the cooperatives um, mm. on behalf of the people and mm. they fund the cooperative. 
So mm. big up for you to be doing government's work, right? So this is, yes. this is incredible. And good luck on that big, huge project. I know several <laughs> of those that work very, very well. But mm. you find that our small subsistence black farmers, um, mm. particularly, they don't know how to organize themselves or they mm. don't stay together mm. and that's your mm. you know negotiating tool i really love mm. that look at mm. that hey mm. yeah i mean uh, it's it's to be quite honest sometimes it really is just getting a little bit of support um yeah. for the farmers particularly like in the villages because a lot of yeah. their land unfortunately um, I've seen this a lot coming from a, a village which is formed as part of a farming town because that's what Matata is known for. Um, yeah, it is. is. That the land mm. is abandoned and no one uses the land. And sure. sometimes it really, and which is quite unfortunate because um, <sighs> sometimes you find that the people within the village locally know how to farm because when they leave the village, they go work in the city or some farm Um some non-black person's farm and then they'll work there and acquire all the skill and leave the land there but sometimes it really does take someone to see them and to say okay i how can we make it happen like how can we work together so you created that you created that space i see that i see that because yeah subsistence farmers i I mean they always farm that's all they know right That's all they know. But marketing their skill or marketing Mm. whatever they produce is what they actually need. And probably Mm. a little tractor here and a little tractor there. And yeah, we will not talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) So go back. So, Yanga, I'm going to take us back to the one part of the question that we didn't get to answer because I interrupted. I get very, very excited and everybody's always like, oh, my God, Mangile always interrupts the guests. Yes, I do, guys. It is my trademark. I apologize. So how has this um, a project impacted um, the youth? And also on top of that, I'm going to add like a side note. Um, can you also t- tell us some of the challenges that you've seen in the agricultural space of the yeah. villages that you work in? So how has the project yes. impacted the youth? Because I think we have a huge youth unemployment problem in South Africa. And I think it's important for people to hear how such projects can help mm-hmm. and what the challenges are. Okay, cool. I'll def- I'll start with the challenges. Uh, water. <laughs> water, yeah. water, water. Water is such a big challenge. Um, sure. Access to water. Access to water is a big one um, for the most part. And, I mean, it's quite difficult. Even when you have the rivers um, that have boundless water, as lucky as some of us are um, on one of our projects, but building the infrastructure to bring the water in. Water in. Oh, I see. Um, Hmm. For projects, you realize that... um, What's happening? Sorry about that. Um, For some of the projects, you realize... Yeah. Hi, Bo. 
Okay, not sure what was happening. Sorry about that. Um, for okay. some of the projects, so, so water yeah, is big... the first thing we have. Yeah. Um, water is a big issue. Access to water is a big. Yeah. Okay, guys, you're just gonna have to bear with us. Something is happening on Yanga's end. Mm. Um. Great. Okay. Um, access to water. Access to water is such a big challenge for mm. uh, agricultural projects in villages mm. because even when you are lucky to have a river that has water um, nearby, but you still need to build the infrastructure to be able to get the water to yeah. um, the land where you guys are working. So that's an issue. And then sometimes it's just the fact that we are so remote. So, for example, I... Um, come from a village where we are 35 kilometers away from town yeah. and uh, what that means is that uh, like it's so it's a very rural village yeah. um, so you don't really have access to getting assistance from other farmers for example because yeah. um, um, with places where you're not so far and you're not so remote you're able to hire a tractor from someone oh. who has it nearby and that oh. sort of thing. So okay. like being remote and being um, secluded yeah. becomes a challenge okay. when you don't have all the tools that you need to work. Yeah. Um, because then you also end up spending quite a bit more on hiring the tools yeah. from further away. Mm. And that also is an aspect that um, comes with being remo remote. remote and far yeah, yeah. So that's definitely uh, one of the challenges. Mm -hmm. And how has it impacted the youth? Um, I think the biggest thing for me was seeing and ha having uh, young people come back and say, listen, we are now thinking about suggesting, suggesting alternative projects that they want to try oh. out, you know starting to see opportunity and starting mm. to be like, oh, we see an opportunity for medicinal plants now, you know, okay. oh, we see an opportunity to grow fruits now. Oh, okay. like, you know, how can oh, we start wow. this? How can, like bouncing off ideas right. and having, yeah. like, it, it, it is, has been um, a project which I believe to some degree has played a role in restoring a part of the imagination of the young people oh, yeah. in the village. Yes. Um, yes. Just like being able to imagine a different reality. Reality, um, yeah. Being able to imagine possibility out of yeah. what it is that we have. Um, it's a project that I've seen restore hope um, yeah. in the young people. Because, I mean, when you start to dream about mm. potentially having medicinal plants, yeah, it's not a dream about what it is that we can do in terms of agro-processing, you know, how yeah. we can um, now they've got ideas about how, no, we actually want to start slicing the butternut and maybe how can we package it and sell it to spa? Like, yeah. well, what's the process? Can you find out for us? You know, please find out how to do that. Oh, my goodness. That, that really has been um, the impact for me um, wow. that I've seen. Oh, my have. gosh. And for me, in terms of how it's impacted me, was that also a question? Yes. You, you, go okay. for it. It wasn't, how but just go for it. Me, 
<laughs> it was actually a question. It was. Before. Mm-hmm. I so think the impact you? that it's had on me, honestly, it's taught me so much. Um, yeah. Agriculture was not my forte. Like, I mean, I don't have a background in agriculture or navigating the space. And I mean, I still don't do much mm. of the agriculture work, honestly. I just help facilitate a lot yeah. of the processes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's constantly teaching me um, yeah. so much. I am learning okay. so much. Yeah. And I think I am yeah. appreciating the village, like I said earlier, mm. and um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm just seeing possibility. Like, I yeah. no longer see a dusty mm. village, but I okay. just see possibility. <laughs> and, um, Amen. Wow, and, man. <laughs> and also, like, I think it, it has helped me value water, like, a lot more. Ooh. Ooh, that's I powerful. appreciate water like I respect water basically at this point. Um, okay. And I mean, water is a is it's almost like a basic human right, if you will. Mm, and it, it, and yet we yeah. people in the villages don't have access to it, and it's so yes. hard to find. Mm. And people need to walk kilometers and have it mm. on their buckets and mm. and that. Mm. So like um I think those are the ways in which it has impacted me really. My goodness. Yeah. So yeah, out of this um so packed. Yeah. It is beyond packed, Mizor. I'm just <laughs> very fascinated. How do you guys circumvent the water challenge? Yes. So um at the moment, Boho. Um, we've been able to find funding oh. for borehole. Um, we've got funding for boreholes. That's awesome. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we've been able to secure funding for boreholes. So, like, two of those are currently being built at the moment. That's okay. the one way. And also, uh, before that, and whilst mm-hmm. we are in the process for that, um, I was able to speak to some people that I know to um, get some donations of some water tanks that okay. water roller mm. tanks so yes. we get water roller tanks and people can just push the water roller tanks oh to those are life changing so um it's it's really just being able to find people who are gracious enough with their hearts and with their pockets um yeah. to to, fi- to, to finance the infrastructure as well for the project. Mm-hmm. People who believe in the vision and people who want to see the work continue and people who also just see the value of what it's meaning to the lives of the people who work the land. I love that. So, Yanga, you've brought such a dimension to this. I, I really love what you've done here. On one of our episodes, episode 20, and 20A and B, we interviewed two ladies who came from totally different backgrounds speaking about land. You are bringing in another dimension that hadn't even crossed yeah. our mind. And this piece of real estate is such an incredible piece, mm-hmm. but it also requires water. Land is such mm-hmm. an important part of real estate. Mm-hmm. So you were just talking and starting about other opportunities, the untapped opportunities in the village that you have seen or the young people have brought. Besides the medicinal um, medicinal plants and fruit, what other opportun- untapped opportunities do you still see there? 
So for me, really, um, okay, I have an engineering background. So like for me, yeah. I am thinking wind and solar power. Yes. Um, yes. I am thinking yes. ocean economy. I yeah. am thinking, you know, um, that sort of space. That's yeah. a space yeah. that people in the village can participate in. Yeah. We have the land for that. We have yeah. lots of land for that. Um, we, we do. Have the wind. We don't have tall buildings blocking um, yes. our, like our wind flow capacity. Um, mm. We've got tons of sun also, like, you know, when it's... Sick. So I see us being able to utilize all of these natural resources Ooh, yeah. to create something beautiful and yeah, yeah i i just think magicians needs to partner with you for yep. this i love the sound of wind and solar power in villages I because so many villages are in really hot spaces yeah right absolutely. like a lot of these a lot of remote villages like my village is like super hot you know, mm -hmm. so solar just makes a lot of sense in that in that case. In that regard, yeah. Yeah. Wow, Yanga, I love this. And Yanga, I know that people are asking you for more help as a mentor around mentoring them for what they can do in their villages. So as no. you extend this work, what are some of the things that you've seen people talk to you about or even want to learn about in terms of um, villages and village economy? I've heard, I've recently been sitting in on a lot of conversations that people have invited me to around factories in villages which makes so yeah. much sense so instead yeah. of outsourcing abroad building yeah. factories in the village and right teaching there. people mm -hmm. young people there how to sew how to make garments all this i've heard people talk about some very interesting projects for the village so how can you help people as a mentor around land in how to utilize land in the village and what are some things that you see apart from just factories and solar power that people are asking for to start as projects in the village? I mean, so the first thing for me is that um, it's important for, for people just to remember that there's no one-size-fits-all approach. Mm. Um, I have seen people invite me to advise or like for consulting um on mm -hmm. what various projects that they want to do in their villages and yeah. um the key thing for me is always just to understand the geographic location of the village and mm -hmm. what naturally what natural resources do they have at their disposal like even before yeah. we go anywhere because as now my your Kali yeah. projects all the time in villages. That's just the reality. Yeah, we want to work with what we have, and we have. Yeah, we do. You know, we have we so do. much to work with. Yo, so, what so do you have? Because someone is sitting here and being like, Yanga, I am somewhere in the Bundus of the Bundus. I have nothing. All I have is land and sun. <laughs> no, okay, cool. I'm just going to first So say what this. are some natural resources? <laughs> <laughs> so like, first of all, I come from a village where Vangile, when um, friends of mine were driving to my dad's funeral, 
Um, yeah. It was like, oh, no, we've put uh, posts that tell you which direction to go. And person's like, no, but I've been driving for the past 30. It's like, go until you can go no more. So I come from a village <laughs> where, if, <laughs> where we could say um, that we don't have this and that and that. But yeah. we had land. Like, all we yeah. had was land and we had sun and we had water. Some water you know, somewhere down in the river. And yeah. I think, to be quite honest with you, the first thing really is to, for people really just to take their time and to think about what it is that they have because yeah. you do have something. Yeah. Another example so, is that from my village, they, there are trees. Uh, that, why is um, that important? Because... That is valuable. That is a they let the, so there are trees that are bought by um, people in the. They are um, trees. It's almost like medicinal plants, but oh, it's medicinal wow. plants. People use them for lip balms. People use them for uh, all sorts of things, and those trees oh, just maybe. grow naturally. And there are people yes. who are willing to pay for those trees. Oh my there gosh! In my village, pay. we have a lot of those. I yes. did these retreats to take um, a wealthy many students to the village to learn about traditional medicine. And all we do is we walk around the village and they get to see the natural stuff that's growing there. Ooh. Oh my gosh, and we, got, we have so much, um, so much traditional medicine there. Like I'm just thinking, what am I thinking of? In Beipo, we have so much, it just goes yeah. wild, wild. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and in Bepo oh. as well, like that's that's a big market. People are paying to get in Bepo there. That's also like something yes. else. So um that is so uh, awesome. People mm -hmm. are literally utilizing that stuff, right? And then yeah. also another thing is that um there's water. So like we come from a farming village, so um farming town, just generally the our land is good and it's fertile for farming. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't so difficult for us to imagine what it is that we could do because mm -hmm. fortunately we've got good quality soil. So the question was then, what type of crops is our soil good for? In which oh, case okay. I took soil samples and I went to UKZN um, in Peter Matsburg. It's open to the public. I mean, there are other places of this sort as well. I found yeah. it to be cheaper. I mean, the Department of Agriculture offers it, offers, um, they, they offer the service to do soil sampling, but I hear it takes a long time, you know. Okay. But, um, so universities, for example, UKZN, um, they mm -hmm. have a school of agriculture. So that okay. school of agriculture does the soil sample tasting. Sampling. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, you just pay a smaller fee than going to a proper lab, wara wara. So um, then just sort of establishing what type of uh, crops crops your mm -hmm. land is good for mm -hmm. um and then also another thing is that in like there and then for example there are villages which are like which are closer to the beaches there so yeah. they can start oh. to think about what can they do with the ocean or with the so like what i'm saying is that um the different projects that i usually talk about with people are yeah. informed by what you have and where you are. Absolutely. Oh my Versus gosh. Sort of taking a one size fits all approach. 
Yeah. This is literally a resource strategy in like lesson four of the Money Magic course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because I'm, I can imagine that when people invite you and invite you into a city hall or a conference room, they think you come with the solution when they so you just come there to ignite them and to open their eyes to what is available to them around them so mm. really the answers come from them yours is mm. just to facilitate that that meeting of possibility that is so amazing incredible incredible this is incredible and i don't know if you've got the answers any... do come from them that is such a yeah. powerful thing to say miranda because yeah. the answers do and the answers are in your village like yeah. honestly yes. you don't the, it's not going to come from anywhere else you do have resource you have something that um you can you do yeah. you do you really do have something and what yes. is that something yes. you know um yeah. you know um yes. i I have a friend who usually says, you're Angina Mali. And I'm just like, yeah, it's one thing to say I don't have money, but how can I make the money that the I need money. to make? You know? yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's more like, yeah, we don't. Yes. What? How can we do something? Okay. Like, what can we do? Yes. Love it. Yes. That's okay. That, oh, that, I mean, I that summarizes it. it. And I loved how you said um, at the beginning, Yanga, they the fact that when that crop has come to the end of its cycle and it bears mm. seeds, then they are able to share with the neighbors. One yes. of our guests, the land, the land episode 20, says mm. that all the time. She says the land teaches us to become generous again mm. because, man, you've got ample. There's nothing yes. else to do with it but to give, yeah? I yeah. really... And whenever you speak to people about land, I went to a... It was an after-funeral visit of a family um, a few weeks ago in Pokwani. Mm. And we got there, and then it's the village where one of my colleagues grew up in. So he, uh, it's a neighbor. So I walked over to go and say hi to his mom, just because we are such good friends. And when I got there, the mom was so excited. She's never met me. She doesn't know me. All I said was, my name is Miranda. I was in class with Alex. We graduated <laughs> together. She was so happy. We ended up in the garden. She gave me spinach. She told me how to grow it. She gave me onions and told me how to grow it. It was so funny. So my daughter, who's 10, took a video of us and we sent it to Alex just to show him. Like, we had a, such a good time. And that's what the village teaches you. People are just generous because there's just so much. She gave me red pepper, like yeah. everything, right? Yeah. So that's, that's an awesome awesome thing to you're doing there ben yeah. have you got anything else i'm really fed i'm no fed. i am fed i think why we love having guests on around land and we really yeah. don't have enough because no, we what we're trying to prove is that just having land if all we have in our villages is land it is yeah. still real estate. That land will always, always be there. We yeah. can leave that to our kids. And mm -hmm. just like real estate, just like a property will give you money, we'll give land you money. will always yeah. give you food. You tend yeah. it, 
it will always give you food and that food is as good as a monthly rental income as well because you can go and sell it and make more money so i am very full and imagine this 800 tons of tomatoes it's yeah. an industry already you've created jobs you've created a sense mm. of purpose for someone mm. to wake up and go to the land to go mm. and farm because look they've got targets right mm-hmm. 800 tons yeah. is quantifiable you know exactly mm. how much you're getting back mm-hmm. and their children will come to university and they must just go back there and go yeah. and plant younger this is just it is an incredible amazing. episode. I love it. Really yeah. love it. So <laughs> let's move on to the next segment of the show. Yes, please. Great. On to the next segment of our show, magical feedback from our hosts, where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. So guys, We're here. We're doing the magical feedback. Nisa, I'm going to have you start. I have so many points. I do too. (laughs) Where to start? Where do you even begin? But I want to repeat one of the the lessons that we keep learning about land that Mandy Mandy of episode 20 of Naledi Farm keeps repeating. Right from the get-go, Yanga says, so when the crop gets to the end of its life cycle, it bears seeds and these seeds allow you to give to your neighbors and to share Mm. and I don't know how many times I've heard Manti say it land affords us the opportunity to be generous again and she's got a way of saying it in her own way but that's what I hear yeah just breeds generosity right from the get-go yeah what's your Um, number one I I love what you've just said. So my number one was, you know, we always, we never even, uh, we always hear how important networks are and relationships are. Even in the village, networks and relationships are so, so key. You know, it's like I am doing a project with one girl in the village, you guys. Her name is Jane. She's doing, she sells chili. And even then, the Joburg people that are getting involved with her. I was like, no, y'all are going to have to go to the village, show yourselves, let people know, let my mother see you, let the neighbors know. I called the neighbors before they arrived. Let people know that you are there because once they know, this project will need support in the village because the production of the chili is happening in the village. So if they see you, they know you, they feel connected to you, it's going to be just so much easier to get things done in the village. So just the importance of relationships everywhere. Like Yanga didn't have to go and get all the villagers together. Everyone in the village knows the subheadman. They trust him. He went he did whatever he was doing. And from the subheadman's relationship and him vouching for her, this project has been born. And through his relationship... And it has gone through to three villages. Three villages. And how did it go? Through his relationships with other subheadmen. Thank you. So and it's not just in real estate. It's everywhere. Yeah. The importance of relationships. Relationships. I it's like that. powerful. 
Yeah. I want to hit my second one on the on, on the one that she spoke about. And she says, because of culture, there has to be mm. things of respectability and how she uses the subheadman mm. relationship to navigate, to mm. navigate the still, you know, the way our villages are structured yeah. and you have you are they are still male dominated. Mm. She has to navigate that and she's young, she's female, she's black and she grew up there, mm. right? So it is exactly mm. about that, that and when you deal with the village, there are certain things that you follow yeah. and not for your own success, you had better be aware of that. Be aware of the nuances. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm. My second mm. takeaway is about imagination. You know, just yes. the power of imagination. of imagination. I love this, right? It's that sometimes we need someone who will hold the space for us and give us permission to dream and imagine another way of being. And what Yanga is doing in that space and that gap. So I love what she said about just like this project is giving people the uh, is giving people the opportunity to imagine, and then just the opportunity to imagine possibilities and imagine opportunity. And here's the thing: it's like we can do what we're doing with the podcast. We can teach and we can write all the books that we want but if people cannot imagine that it is possible for them that one day they can be that person it exactly. is really, really difficult and if it if, and, and this is and I also feel like part of why that is so important for me about Yanga being the space holder is that Yanga is from the village yeah. she is there she yeah. is they are not looking at, even if she had grown up in the suburbs, they wouldn't yeah. believe it was possible. It would be yeah. different. They wouldn't really listen, but yeah. they know her. She is them. And this yeah. is the thing also. People are like, oh, it's so incredible that you work with Jane on the chili and she's been able to grow her business. No, it's because Jane knows my mother. She knows where yeah. I come from. She, yeah. she believes you. Yeah, she believes me when I say, Jane, if we do this and we do this, this is going to work. I speak the same language as her. It is not an impossible thing. I'm not making this impossible. So she sees that if I believe and I say this is possible, it becomes possible for her. So imagination. So it's not just about my takeaway isn't just about the power of imagination and possibilities. It's about it comes back to what we often speak about, representation. Representation. It is, that the pers- it is important that the people that go back to the village are also the people that grew up in the village, that yeah. the villagers saw grow up in front of their yeah. eyes. So they know that, hey, when we see her on radio, on TV, when she comes with these plans, she is one of us. So it is possible. It is possible for us. So that's so important. She did say, she did say as a last shot as well, that it mm. is the restoration of hope that she yes. is seeing, that she's impacted. So with yes. all possibility and imagination and awakening yeah. of the youth, she is restoring hope. 
you know, because yeah. otherwise you become the shining star. Oh, yay, you are younger. Yay, you graduated yeah. as an engineer. Yay. And then yes. what? Yeah. And I think she yeah. has found her purpose yeah. in that sense. Such a good, powerful, powerful. Yeah. I had written it down as a, as a takeaway. I love, love, love it. Mm. What she said about what she has learned for herself. Yanga says mm. what she what she is what she has learned is what she is learning. Constant, mm. constant teaching yeah. and constant learning of Yanga. But the one big thing that she's learning is to value and to respect water. Guys, that is powerful. It gives me a lump in my throat because she grew up in the village. She knew her dad was coming here Mm. and there. But can you see the lesson had passed over her? Yeah. And she's gone back as a social entrepreneur and as a a person who leads a project in agribusiness. Now she gets to appreciate Mm. and she doesn't see the village as a dusty village. She sees land now and she respects water respect right this yeah Ooh, i love that way her last point before we moved on to she says yanga says that are in your village the answers are not out there the answers yeah. to the problems in the village are in the village themselves. The village themselves. And this is so powerful because we go from pillar to post looking for answers. For answers. We leave the village <laughs> and then we come with our own interesting ways of thinking where we have learned the answers from the city, the answers that work in the city. We try to bring them to the village. But the answers to the village issues are in the village. The resources, all, and what she also says is, all the resources in the village are going to help once you have that answer. It's so powerful. It's like, literally, everything that you need is right here. Everything you need for the breakthrough is right here. It's right here. And, I mean, traditional wow. nano, and traditional indigenous knowledge is yeah. right there. And the yeah. important thing is to actually suck it off the people's tongues yeah. because they are not going to write it down. And they will yeah. tell you things, you know, hidden gems in your own village. How did you know about the herbs in your village, for instance, Bangile? You were shown yeah. by the gentleman in your village, yeah. right? Yeah, like Buswani. teaches us everything and then we write it down guys and he and the crazy thing Mizo is he was taught by his mother his mother was taught by his mother right and my mother was taught by her mother and then she got more information and then my mother lived in Masefe and in Masefe she met she met a great traditional doctor who taught her about herbs so she already had the lineage from the family because my great-grandfather was on that side on my maternal side was a sangoma so she that knowledge kept filtering down for generations and then she met someone who taught her and that person never wrote that knowledge down so if we are not careful we will lose the knowledge if we don't go back 
to get it and to put it down for the next generation because we keep running to the cities for this knowledge. And then we go to the internet, but the knowledge is in the village. The things that Busweni taught us, even my dad who's a pharmacist, when I told him some of the things, he laughed. He was like, you know, Busweni just described diabetes in what you're telling me that these herbs are used for. And he just, and then at one point he was like, this is high blood pressure that Busweni is describing. I was like, how was I going to know that? I'm not a doctor. I'm just writing that. And he says it in Siswati, right? So yeah. I'm just writing, okay, when the heart beats faster and the temperature goes higher, this yeah. is when you use this medicine. And my dad was like, no, this is high blood pressure. This mm. is, this is um, diabetes. How amazing is that? We've got this knowledge, guys. Yeah. So... Yeah, let's move on to the next segment of the show. show. Now on to the journey to magical expansion, where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. Hey guys, welcome to Journey to Magical Expansion. This is the part of the show where we ask our guests the same questions that we ask every guest. So... Lisa, I'm going to have you start us off with your favorite Absolutely. question. Absolutely. Yanga, please share with us. Is there a book that changed your life? A book can be a storybook. It can be a business book or an agriculture book. I don't know if you read those. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I don't really read agriculture books, but... Um, Yo, there are mm-hmm. quite a number of books that have impacted me for a number yeah. of different reasons. Reason. But um, okay. so one of the books that have really encouraged me is there's a book titled um, Tribes by Seth Gordon. Oh, oh I love yes. Seth Gordon. Yeah? I love Seth Gordon. And yes. I don't know Tribes. So, like definitely Tribes by uh, Seth Gordon. He... He speaks um, a lot about how people work and how mm-hmm. you build a tribe and how you lead a tribe and uh, the mm-hmm. importance of sort of um, being obedient to the nudge or the calling that you feel that is upon your life and just getting started mm-hmm. on projects. So um, Seth, um, I like him for that. And The Code of the Extraordinary Mind is another book oh. that I enjoy yeah. so yeah. much. I've um, not heard of it. By Vision. Yeah, uh, by Vision Lakiani. That's an okay. incredible, incredible book. And honestly, um, I'm I'm all I'm constantly intrigued by just the human potential and what yeah. human beings can yeah. achieve. Um, yeah. by just being able to imagine yeah. what is possible. Mm. And so, yeah, those two books, I think, for those Oh, two. my gosh. Isn't wow. that great? Okay. Yeah, I love tribes. I love that. Actually, I never, I haven't heard of both of them. Um, mm. Seth, uh, Seth Gordon, I read. And then, mm. like, but, um, and I follow his blog quite a bit. Not yeah. in recent years, though, but tribes I haven't heard. Um, tribes I've heard of, I haven't read. So, yeah, what keeps you inspired, Yanga? Mm. Oh, guys, can I just interrupt to say I am watching the most incredible sunset over sunset. the ocean right now mm-hmm. as wow. I do this. But continue. 
I wish I was like able to do a video of it, but I give up so much for the podcast. Let's go. <laughs> we are at work. You know, this is the time when I'm just pretty straight. We are at work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, don't get us all dreaming, Zangile. <laughs> uh, um, so what keeps me inspired in general? Yeah. I love learning. Um, I okay. am inspired by ideas. I'm yeah. inspired by trying them out. I'm inspired by seeing them fail. I'm inspired yeah. by tweaking them. I'm inspired by making them work better. Like I'm okay. really inspired by like that's what really inspires me. It's just like I oh my gosh, that. I want this idea. Okay, let's see what happens. Okay, let you know I'm I'm really inspired yeah. by that. Yeah. Um, generally, yeah. I and um I, I use the word imagination a lot. So I'm inspired mm. by people also who use their imagination and who just yeah. constantly live in a space of what's possible. And I yes. think our imaginations allow for us to dream and mm. to see that. And I think um, the world that we live in has a tendency to take that away from us. It yeah. does. And we see only what is in our reality and we don't yeah. see beyond that. And, beyond we, that. And, and I think I'm inspired by my dreams in my head and my imagination and yeah. other people's mm. dreams and their imaginations. Mm. Okay. Awesome. That is so beautiful. That is so that beautiful. That is really, really beautiful. Can you tell us what you wish you had known before embarking on this agri agri business and agri project? Because you became a social entrepreneur after your dad's um, passing. What what do you wish you had known before? I wish I had known to start earlier maybe yeah um i yeah. also wish i had known water is an issue <laughs> yeah um, you know but i think like mostly I, I wish i had just really understood earlier what 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 was in front of me and what was possible and what was around me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So when 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 our political leaders um, were insistent about the constitution and writing it in there that water as a natural resource is, must be part of the human rights written mm. thing in the constitution. That's what they were talking about. And yeah. most of us just didn't have the appreciation of why those clauses even exist in the constitution. Yeah. So that's an incredible thing to mention, Yanka. And yeah. for every young person that's listening, they don't get to, because they open the tap in town, yeah. open the tap and water still comes out. And yeah. the appreciation of, I wish I had known how important water was. Mm, mm, so powerful. Mm. I am so appreciative of that, actually. Yeah. So what else do you still think you need to learn in social entrepreneurship and in particular around land usage, Bianca? Yes. What are some yes. of the things that are coming up for you? I mean, I'm already getting myself 
into the wind solar power space um wow. trying okay. to really learn as much learn what i can about that mm-hmm. but i'm also trying to find ways to possibly find to find my um ideas <laughs> around yeah. that um and yeah so i think that's more or less what i want to learn but also just outside of that um mm-hmm. i think what i want to do a bit more is probably coach and mentor um a bit more people to do their own work and see mm-hmm. their own power in what they can create as opposed that. to wanting to come onto a project that exists because like that's yes. uh, something else so i think there's mm-hmm. still a bit more work to be done around conscientizing people of what it is that they have and yes. um who they are possibly reflecting who they are to themselves so that mm-hmm. they can see um mm-hmm. what they can do because honestly it 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 really breaks my heart um how impoverished if you will or how yeah. much struggle there is in villages yeah. when yeah. i look and i see so much potential yeah um, so yes. Yes. for me i really have a deep desire to do a bit more in terms mm. of um holding space for yeah. people to create more yeah cuz all it is sometimes is someone coming to show that there is an opportunity like how you what i love what you said about the young people now they know that they have permission to dream and mm-hmm. to go and to find new things new projects mm-hmm. so now they're going to go and start their own little projects their own little companies all these things to help mm-hmm. them so mm-hmm. it's and that's just going to keep growing so i think yeah. all it is is just planting a seed and a if seed. enough of us start planting these seeds in our various villages in our townships wherever we are that is what starts to shift things it's just like that's the groundswell you Absolutely. know so i'm loving this i I'm love loving that. this younger what what resource would you like to share on this podcast a book a podcast or youtube that you really want to refer a listener that's 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 listening to you to say this is where you can ignite possibility or where you ignited your interest in agri- in the agricultural projects anything a resource that's your go to So like um I know this can sound woohoo but um but it's fine. <laughs> we learn a lot about this with Uvangile. Honestly, the best compass is within yourself. You that like that's honestly the best compass in terms of um Amen. asking about what projects people can start. That's yeah. the best compass. I don't yeah. want um but if you are interested in agriculture specifically Yeah. Um then maybe you can have a look at the tons of of resources. I mean um there's a, a Facebook page pa- Facebook pages actually are also quite these Facebook groups where you find um agroecology community communities where you find permaculture communities. So whatever yes. you sit and in your stillness 
you feel that this is it, then find a community on Facebook. There are groups yeah. for whatever it is that comes up for you, whether mm. it's doing woodwork or, yeah. you know, yeah. whether it's uh, yeah. medicinal, plant medicinal or mm. solar, wind, whatever it is that comes yes. up for you and whatever it is that suits yeah. your context. I just want mm. to encourage people to use that as mm. their compass it's, it's and their then compass. from that point go and empower themselves using... Um, Facebook, joining communities, learning. Like there are are communities that specifically are there for you to ask questions, for people to get back to you. You ask for help, people help you. There's just tons of help like on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, And and yeah, so I think that's what I would encourage encourage them to definitely join a Facebook community specifically for whatever their area of interest is. And yeah. then, of course, in terms of just general knowledge and learning, um, YouTube, you can type whatever yeah. you need to find on YouTube. But the community is so important because yeah. those people are, you find someone who, um, you know, who's willing to share and who's just ask them. They are willing to answer all the time That's about right. anything. Yes. You because find also your community, yeah, your tribe. Also, because find your, your community is, in most Facebook communities are very, very specific. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's not like people who are in permaculture are not just in a permaculture community just because. It's because they are mm-hmm. passionate about that or they are interested in that. So your friends, you may go talk to them about permaculture. They'll look at you like, sis, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, but now serious. you've got these people <laughs> yeah. who can talk about permaculture 24-7. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it is so, so important like what you just incredible. said. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Younger, you've Tribes, given us so much. Sites. Mm. Wow. And I love how you say Facebook, Facebook groups because the reason why you are on this podcast, it is a domino effect of Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Because how I met Bangile is through another Facebook group mm. and then joined her, her academy. And we are here today because... Mm because I was looking for a community of, you know, brown women that were willing to grow with me, uh, growing my personal development in the personal development space. And that's exactly how it happens, right? And people believe you can play on Facebook, play and Mm. do nothing else. You can play and grow on Facebook Mm. and you can play and run a business on Facebook, right? Mm. Yeah, that's incredible. Thanks, Yanga, so much. Really, really love this. You've been so so generous. Thank you so much for having me yet again. It has been. (laughs) (laughs) So, Yanga, how do people contact you? Um, so I am Yanga Stierman on Facebook. They, um, I'm Yanga Stierman on Instagram mm-hmm. um, at, yeah, at Deliberate with Yanga on Instagram and Yanga Stierman on Facebook. Um, yeah, or you can send me an uh, email on yangastierman90 at gmail.com and I will get back to you. Okay. This is fantastic. Wow. It is. 
Thank you so much, Yanga. It has been a pleasure having you. And guys, I'm also going to be interviewing Yanga for the Money Magic series. So that okay. will come out. That interview with her will come out before our interview, or maybe in the same week as this interview. Anyway, yeah. keep a lookout for that. Go to um, the, the Wealthy Money YouTube channel and type in Yanga Stirman and you should be able to find that interview. She'll talk to us in that interview. She'll talk to us about her journey, about being a coaching client with me, but also launching her own coaching program and what it is that she does as a coach. Because I'm sure everybody listening to this is like, oh my God, how do I get hold of this woman? So she'll break down her coaching journey and we'll be talking a lot about her money journey and more of her personal journey in that interview. So thank you so much, Yanga, for joining us. Thank you, Yanga. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Property Magicians. Thank you, Mizo. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Absolutely. Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Vangile Makwakwa, and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free, and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income, or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as vangile makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop Doc, Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at miranda at wealthy-money.com. Again, inbox me at miranda at wealthymoney.com if you want me to help you start your property journey. Thank you.